become weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. And, with emphasis added, if we don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. It's word of God for the people of God. There's a favorite movie of mine where uh, there, there's some actors and they say, the pause was so long and good that I became unsure. And so I, I became unsure in that moment that maybe Mike had forgotten the ending of that. Um, let me say that again. Let us not become weary in doing good. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Faith, doing good, changing the world, is what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction towards Christ. It's not the choice of one day. It's uh, not the choice of a week. It's not a year we give to God. It's every step we take over our lifetimes, always moving closer and closer. Sometimes we accidentally take a step back or we move to the side, but we keep going, always towards Christ. And we're promised by God that if we don't give up, harvest comes. I chose this verse for us because I, I wanted to share with you that it's been a very hard week for me. It's been a very hard week for me as a Methodist pastor. And I know some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, and others of y'all are like, why is everyone in the church about to burst into tears? <laughs> and so just bear with me, because I'll talk to you about it, and I'm going to tell you why I, I think we're not going to give up, okay, and why we have a great hope in front of us. And that is, this week, the United Methodist Church, the global United Methodist Church, met in St. Louis to pick up again for, I mean, d decades they've been talking about the issue of homosexuality. This time, this time we had this group of people who for two years had come together and they saw the issue of homosexuality differently. They read their Bibles differently. They came from different parts of the world and different backgrounds and they said, how is it that instead of fighting each other all the time and trying to find out who's winning, how is it that we could move forward towards Christ together. Two years they worked on this and they came up with a plan called the One Church Plan where nobody would have to change their points of view. We would just have to agree to love each other. And the church in Africa could be the church in Africa and the church in downtown Austin could be the church in downtown Austin and the church in Bee Creek could be the church in Bee Creek. And, and then they, they put it to a vote. And before I get to how that vote went, and I'm going to tell you how that went, I want to tell you something crucial. Our church has already figured this out. We have already figured this out, okay? Methodism is having a hard time figuring it out. Bee Creek has it figured out. Long ago, before I got here, we knew our calling by God was to be a community of imperfect people. Which imperfect people? All of the imperfect people. When I preached about this, you guys came up to me and gave me hugs and said, you should teach the Methodist Church how to do this. Unfortunately, they didn't ask me, you guys. They went up to St. Louis and they, they took they started taking votes, and what they decided was one group realized, we have a slim majority here. 
53%. And so they voted down the plan that would have let the whole church move forward together, like the plan that Bee Creek has embraced, right? That we move forward together. And they voted up what's called the traditionalist plan. And that plan increases the language against homosexuality and the prosecutions against people who think differently. And so bishops, churches, pastors who don't toe that line, the first violation can be suspended, pastors can be suspended for a year from their ministry and have to give up a year of their salary. Bishops too. And the larger Methodist church, at least this 53%, said to the other 47%, you can find the door. You're not welcome here anymore. That's horrible. That's horrible. And that is not what we have decided. Right? I love you. I love you guys. I know you don't all see this issue the same way. I know it. I know we don't all vote the same way. I know we didn't all come from the same place in this country. I know we weren't all raised the same way. But I, I love this church because we said, hey, we don't all see it the same way, but man, we love Jesus. Man, we love Jesus and we love each other and we've heard the greatest commandments are to give all that we have to our God and then to love our fellow Christians. And we can change the world together, this group of imperfect people. So you guys, yeah, it, it has broken my heart this week because I've always loved the Methodist church. I'm a Methodist pastor. And I feel like they, they just don't get it. But I was talking to our new associate. He's great. I was talking to him about this, and we were sharing our morning about this, and I was talking about what I'm telling you right now, how we're going to move forward anyway, right? We're going to live out this way forward at Bee Creek, and maybe the church, actually the church, the, the Methodist publishing house said, would you write an article about how we can move forward together? And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Because y'all said you should teach them how to do it. I'm like, okay, fine. So I'll do that because of y'all saying to me that I need to teach them, and we'll see if they listen. But So I'm talking, that's a digression. I'm talking to Pastor Matt, and he said, Laura, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just live out a way forward in, in God's little corner of creation that he's given us at Bee Creek. I said, yeah, we are. That's exactly what we're going to do. And so I want to tell us how. Uh, maybe you're, this is the first you're hearing of it. Uh, maybe you knew the, from the news. Maybe you were, some of y'all were live streaming the whole general conference sessions. God bless you if you were. That's like watching a train wreck. Um, it is. It's in slow motion, a train wreck with casualties. It's crazy. Um, some of you did that, though. So blessings to you. Here's, I want us to, to talk one last time about how we move forward together. And the next week, we're going back to the Beatitudes, and we're going back to our ministry, and we're going back to it, okay? Because we know what we're about here. And if anybody asks you, you can be like, hey, guess what? Our church has chosen differently. We love each other, even though we don't all agree. Because <gasps> we love Jesus more. Here's how we'll move forward. We'll pray. This, these are the three P's of moving forward, okay? Three P's so you can remember it. We're going to pray. Um, I need to encourage you more. So let me take this opportunity. Pray every day. 
Five minutes can change your life. Pray every day. Let this be a call for those of us who know who we are, who know, I mean, we're not perfect at being God's children, but let's, let it be a call for us to renew our prayer because prayer unleashes the power of God in our lives, in, the, in this church, in our community. So when we are experiencing any hard times, we need to double down on prayer because it's doubling down on inviting God to be at work, to speak to us, to change us, to shape us, to give us courage when we need it. Pray. Five minutes a day, ten minutes a day can change your life. And what I'd ask you to do is not just pray for yourself, but remember to pray for the church. This church, just pray for this church because this is where we can take action and, and shape things, right? Pray for this church. And you can pray the scripture we read today, right? God, help us to not get weary of doing good. God, help us to not give up. God, may we see your harvest, right? People coming to know you, children whose lives are changed, youth who are a witness in middle and high school. May we see the fruit in our lives, right? Just pray that prayer. And I'm going to get back to the the Beatitudes. Remember how I asked the kids to gather up rocks? They've been bringing their rocks, and we're going to put them in a tumbler. And I'm going to talk to us, because this rock tumbler metaphor, it really speaks to me about what we're supposed to be doing in our life, okay? So the rock starts like this. I don't know, it's kind of small rock. You can kind of see that it's, it's a little bit shiny, but this is a tiger's eye. When it goes into the tumbler, you add other rocks, okay? So the rock is you. The other rocks are your fellow believers, right? The tumbler, that's just life, right? Life is going to tumble you. It's going to bump and bruise you. It's going to roll around. There's water in there. Um, If you just go into life with other believers, you'll come out, but you'll be bumped and bruised and not much changed. If into the tumbler you add grit, which to me is God, then the tumbling of life begins to take off the sharp edges, take off the dirt, and bring out the beauty to where we can emerge with this is all in us. God has, this is in this rock right now. You just can't see it. And when we pray, then whatever tumbling we're going through in life, we're saying, God, let my community of faith and let you be with me so that I don't just get out at the end of it, but I am stronger. My witness is more beautiful, right? You have refined and shaped me and transformed me so that what has been inside is is on the outside now. That's why we pray. So we pray. That's your first one. Uh, The second one is we're patient. Um, There's a practical part of this and there's a spiritual part of this. Let me just tell you the practical part. Uh, The Methodist Church, the Methodist Church, is a big bureaucracy, you guys. And so there are, the reason we need patience is there's a judicial council meeting in April that people say may declare a lot of this unconstitutional based on the Methodist Constitution. Um, So we need to wait for that. There's probably going to be lawsuits. There's probably going to be litigation. We, We need to see what the pastors of the largest, most vibrant churches are saying, what our bishops are saying, what leaders we respect are saying. And what that means is I don't have all the answers of what's going to happen to the Methodist church. Okay, so we just need to be patient. That's the practical part of it. Here's the spiritual part of it. 
And this is applicable whether this is a thing for you or whether it's another thing you're going through. In between God's promises and their fulfillment, throughout the Bible, oftentimes you have a wilderness space. Okay, so you think about David who was anointed by God and God said, you're going to be the next king. And then he spent about 15 years running from the existing king in the wilderness and uh, living, you know, kind of a hand-to-mouth existence and a ragtag group of followers until finally he became king. It was a 15-year space. Uh, Joseph, Joseph has this dream that he's going to be a ruler, that he's going to do great things for God, and then he gets sold into slavery, and then he becomes a prisoner, and it's almost this 12 to 15-year space that Joseph's in before he does become second in command in Egypt, and he can save the lives of his family and and make a real difference in people's lives. Uh, You think about the people of God are delivered from Egypt, they're walked through the Red Sea, and then 40 years in the wilderness before they get to the promised land. And the important thing to remember about all of these times in the Bible is even though we don't choose them, they grow us. Okay, David was shaped as a leader as he learned that he could trust God in the wilderness and he he learned how to lead people, even a ragtag group, right? Joseph, he needed some rough edges to be knocked off because he was very arrogant. And so that time, even though God never would have wanted him to be a slave while he was a slave and he was trusting God, the beauty and the humility came out in his life. The people of God, God didn't say, hey, you're gonna go into the wilderness, I'll meet you at the promised land. God said, we're going to walk through this wilderness together. I'll never leave your side. It's going to be a chance to grow in your faith because you're not ready for this yet. Now, you guys, I hope it doesn't take the Methodist Church another 15 years to figure this out. But I know that in between a promise and its fulfillment is a wilderness. And I know you can either waste it and just try to get through it, or you can say, okay, here's where I am right now. And so, God, be with me. Bring me out. Transformed. Change my life while I'm going through this. That's the spiritual part of any wilderness we find ourselves in. So, prayer, patience, perspective. Okay, here's the perspective. Like I said, uh, your little Bee Creek Church, we know who we are. We're a community of imperfect people. We're being transformed, right? I can fish out my rock by the perfect love of God. And we're changing the world together. And what I want us to remember is tomorrow morning, coldest day of the year, right, or one of them, (laughs) there's going to be people who need to have Clara and Evelyn and the youth and other people making sure that our pharmacy garden is covered up so that there's still fresh fruits and vegetables for the hungry. And on Tuesday, there's going to be families lining up at Helping Hand Crisis Ministry, and it's the worst week of their lives. And they're, they're scared because it's so cold and they don't have enough money to pay their electric bill and they're going to need Marty and Caroline and Randy and Vicky and so many of y'all to be there and to give them a hug and to put food in a bag and say, you know what, me and other believers in this community, we've given money 
so that your electricity can be on and your family can stay warm and you're going to be okay. And with God, the, the worst day of your life is not the last day. Keep going. There's going to be a single mom this week down there in the Vista house with two kids. She would be homeless. Those kids would be homeless without you all. Can you imagine that in the week that's coming? She needs us to be here to provide that transitional housing on our campus and to keep going and to not give up. There's going to be somebody who's sick in the hospital and they need you to visit. There's going to be prayer shawls to be knit and prayers to be prayed. There's children that, did you see all those kids? There's probably like 35 kids just in this service. They want to know about Jesus. They need you to teach them. There's youth who are trying out those first steps of faith on their own. They're in middle school. Do you remember that? They're in high school. They need you. They need us to teach them. This is how you put your faith into practice. They need us to cheer them on because they're doing a great job. That's, the, that's our work. Y'all, we're good at that together as God helps us. That's our work. That's our job. And that's what we're going to be about this week and the next week and as long as we're here. And when my heart starts breaking as a Methodist pastor, God reminds me of this. I didn't give my life to the Methodist church. I didn't promise to follow John Wesley all my days. I gave my life to Jesus. I said I would be a pastor for him. You promised to follow him. That's what we're going to do together. Together. I love you my imperfect people. And we are just going to continue to live out God's call in this place and to shine a witness to the larger church, to our community, to our neighbors, to our friends. That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We give our lives to you. Forgive us because we are all sinners. Heal us. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Help us to not get weary of doing good. We see your harvest. May we see it even more. Amen.